Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends, guys. Welcome back to our slash entitled people, where people truly believe that they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, because they're special. And in today's episode, guys, a post was shared with me that still has me shaking my head. OP tells a tale about the time a rich couple thought that they deserved OP's son more than she did. Guys, I hope you enjoy the stories. Don't shake your heads too hard. And as always, you can send or link your Reddit post to this email right here. Let's dive in. So this happened years ago. My younger sister and I have always been pretty close, despite the fact that she's entitled and spoiled rotten. Growing up, she was always treated better than me and basically got anything she wanted. Nobody in my family really said anything to her. If she doesn't get her way, she'll pout, she'll sulk, she'll cry, or she'll whine until whoever caves. My sister came over to visit me one or two times a week. We made lunch together and we chatted about life. I gave her a house key for emergencies, which will be relevant later. Besides my entitled sister coming over to visit, I didn't have much of a social life. So one month, I decided that I would like a companion to keep me company during the day. I decided I really wanted a cat. I spent a few days researching the proper way to care for a cat, like vet care, the best food, grooming, dealing with different temperaments, etc. I also bought everything I needed to care for this cat, like food, automatic water bowl, a bunch of toys, catnip, cat bed, cat tree, and a few other things. Once I was ready, I started looking for cats to adopt. I decided that I wanted a cat, not a kitten. It was the second shelter I went to that I found Freya. I saw this pure white kitty from a distance, and when I went over to her enclosure, she immediately started rubbing on the glass and softly meowing. A staff member opened her enclosure so I could pet her. She rubbed all over me and purred so loud she vibrated. She even licked my hand several times. I was absolutely in love. Free is the best cat ever. She's like my child. Now, the thing is, my entitled sister also fell in love with Freya almost immediately. She constantly said how much she wished Freya was hers. She told me how good she would treat her and how she would make her a service animal. Now, I just brushed these comments off until one day, my entitled sister said that she deserved to take Freya because she was getting a divorce and she needed company. Neither of us have kids. Hearing her say that, I was completely caught off guard. I told her I would never give up my cat. She's basically my child. I thought that would be the end of it, and I was so wrong. About five weeks after the conversation, I come home from work at about 5pm. That's when I immediately noticed that Freya didn't meet me at the door. She always meets me at the door. I started to call her, but she didn't come. I tried shaking her can of treats, but that didn't work either. By this point, I'm frantically searching every inch of my house. Absolutely no sign of Freya. She wasn't in my house. My heart then sank to my stomach when I realized that I might have accidentally let her out when I left for work that morning. Freya is strictly an indoor cat, and I felt so guilty and worried about Freya. I put up missing pet ads in the local pet groups and put up flyers everywhere. I also knocked on the door of everyone on my block and asked about Freya and if they could keep an eye out for her. I was a mess without my beautiful sweet cat. 
I cried so much my face was puffy and I could barely eat or sleep. One day, about a week after Frio went missing, I was talking to a mutual friend of my sister's. At one point, she casually says, Oh, have you seen your sister's new cat? She's so pretty, and she has this beautiful white fur. That's when my heart skipped a few beats, and I asked her if she happened to know if the cat had a collar. She then said, yes, it had a red collar, and that's when I knew it was my Freya. I could feel it in my gut. So I hang up the phone and immediately call my sister, and I began yelling the second she answered. I screamed at her, you effing bee, you stole my cat, how could you? How dare you? You had no right to take my cat. How could you do this to me? Her voice was dripping with attitude when she replied, I told you I deserve to have Freya more than you. I'm going through a divorce. She's meant to be my cat. Don't worry, I'll take good care of her. My face then went red and anger coursed through me and I told her, no, you will give me my cat right now or I'll absolutely call the police and press charges for theft and for breaking and entering. I picked up Freya 30 minutes later. I went very low contact with my sister after that. She no longer comes over for visits, and we don't talk or text. We only see each other on major holidays. Free is still a part of my life, and I'm so grateful for her. I still can't believe my sister felt entitled towards my cat, and that she had the nerve to steal her. Some people just blow my mind. See guys, this is why sometimes even family members shouldn't have keys to your house. Because a lot of the times, family members are some of the most entitled people ever because, you know, family. And listen guys, if not the police, the least OP could have done was to give her sister a nice friendly sister smackdown for breaking into her home and stealing her cat. This story took place back in the early 2000s. My college roommate Nick and I were very active members at our local Christian church. We attended services every Sunday, Bible studies every Tuesday night, attended church gatherings on occasion, and listened to a variety of Christian-themed podcasts. This was routine for us during the spring and summer months. Fall and winter, however, was a different story. Now, I do love football. It's my passion in life. I'll not only watch my favorite team, Go 49ers, but I'll also watch as many games as I can, regardless of who's playing, morning, afternoon, and night. So with the new season about to kick off, I inform Nick that I won't be attending Sunday services with him until after NFL season's over. He was disappointed with me, and he tried offering some compromises so I can still attend Sunday services without missing any games, like recording and watching them after the services, but I refuse to budge. He eventually tells me that I should not be putting football before God, and I tell him that I wasn't putting football before God. I was working God around football. I told him I would still go to church with him on Tuesday nights for Bible studies and listen to podcasts as usual. I also reminded him that the church did record the Sunday sermons and they posted them on their website for viewing. So I'll still hear them all, just from the comfort of our apartment. I'll just mute the TV during halftime or in between games to do so. Now, I wasn't trying to convince Nick to skip church with me, but he was an avid gamer and he liked my compromise more. So he decided to stay home with me on Sundays and play video games while I watch football, and we would listen to the sermons at some point during the day. He justified doing this by saying that we would be saving quite a bit on gas money, not driving to church as often, or that we can use this extra time on Sundays to do schoolwork if needed. Whatever helped him sleep easier at night. So fast forward to February, the NFL season had ended and Nick and I finally returned to Sunday services. On our first day back, we hung around after the sermon to mingle with fellow churchgoers. And that's when we're approached by an older woman in her late 60s to early 70s. 
Try to imagine the nicest, sweetest granny you can. The type of lady who would bake you cookies on a whim, just because she can. Little did we know, she was a Karen. Now, Nick and I didn't recognize her, but she remembered us. She walks up to us and asked, Well, hello, you two. I haven't seen either of you around in months. Where have you been? That's when Nick and I told her the truth as to why we haven't been to Sunday sermons since September, and she goes from sweet granny to mega Karen in an instant, and she starts screaming at us. She says to us, You sinners, you heathens, you put football and video games before God, you are both going to hell. Nick and I tried to calm her down, and we told her that we still came to church once a week for Bible studies, and that we still listened to all the sermons online, so we didn't miss a thing, but Granny Karen screamed, That doesn't count. You have to be in church on Sundays, or else you go to hell. And that's exactly where you two are going. At this point, Nick and I thought the best thing to do was to leave quietly and not escalate things, but then Granny Karen says this, She says, you have to be in church on the Sabbath. If you're not in attendance on the Sabbath day, you will burn in hell. Upon hearing this, I decide to give Granny Karen a taste of her own medicine. A sinister grin crept on my face. And that's when Nick noticed, and his eyes widened, and he frantically shook his head, as if to tell me not to do what I was thinking about doing. Well, I did. So I look at Granny Karen and I say, so let me see if I understand you correctly. You said that we have to attend church on the Sabbath, and even if we go to church every day of the week but the Sabbath day, then it doesn't count and we will go to hell, correct? Granny Karen says, yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I then say to her, ma'am, you do realize that the Sabbath is the seventh day, the day God rested after creating the heavens and earth. The seventh day is Saturday, that's the Sabbath. Today's Sunday, the first day of the week. By your logic, you'll be going to hell as well. And from the looks of it, you'll be there long before we will. The look on Granny Karen's face was priceless. Her face was as white as a ghost, her eyes as wide as golf balls, her jaw hitting the ground. She was speechless. At this point, I'm thinking mic drop moments and was ready to walk away. Only to notice a dozen or more churchgoers had witnessed the interaction between Granny Karen and I and they all had the same look of shock on their faces. After a moment of silence, they all rallied behind Granny Karen and basically chased Nick and I out of the church. They were a few pitchforks and torches away from reenacting the mob scene from Frankenstein. They followed us into the parking lot, cursing and screaming, and Nick and I sprinted to our car and bolted out of there. There was a moment of silence in the car, and Nick was clearly upset with me. I was still fuming a little over how Granny Karen treated us, but mostly I was trying to hold back the laughter from that insanity. Finally, Nick breaks the silence and says, Why did you do that? We could have taken the moral high road and walked away, but you had to retaliate and practically started a riot. You do realize that we can't go back to that church, right? I tell him, hey, it was Granny Karen that started it. She was way out of line and she had no right to yell at us the way she did. I wanted to teach her that if she plays with fire, she will get burned. I don't regret a thing. In the end, Nick and I went back to spending our Sundays in our apartment, watching TV, playing video games, and listening to the Sunday services online. None of the people who chased us out of the church that day attended the Tuesday night Bible study, so Nick and I continued to attend those without any further incidences happening. To this day, Nick and I remain the best of friends, and whenever the story's brought up in conversation, we both laugh hysterically. But you tell me, should I have taken the moral high road and walked away, 
Was I justified in giving Granny Karen a taste of her own medicine, or did I cross a line, take it too far, and deserved to have the church mob cast Nick and I out? Yeah, I think Opie was justified in giving Granny a taste of her own medicine. And like Opie said, if you're gonna play with fire, prepare to get burnt. And seriously, Granny Karen needs to relax. I'm pretty sure God doesn't take attendance. With that said though, the correct answer as to why Opie wasn't in the church should have been none of your damn business, lady. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a 24-year-old female, and I'm a single mom to my son, Owen, who's 8 years old. It's been just us since day one. His father isn't in the picture, and he's been able to avoid child support for years now. And yes, I've tried everything. My own parents disowned me. I had to drop out of high school, and I've worked a ton of jobs since then to keep us afloat. We aren't on the poverty line by any means, but we definitely live paycheck to paycheck in a one-bedroom apartment. Now, it's not ideal, and I hope within the next couple of years, we'll be in someplace bigger, but for now, that's our situation. I've raised Owen to know that money isn't everything. We may not have a lot, and he won't always have the newest this or that, but we have each other. The two of us are very close. He's never gone without the basics, but I admit, he doesn't get a lot of fun extras. I try to save a little here and there to make birthdays and holidays fun, but it's still nothing glamorous. I think Owen was fine with that, until recently anyway. In our area, all the public schools are based on a lottery system. So your child has a fair shot of going to any of them, so long as you put in their name. Our neighborhood school is not great, and it's in a pretty crappy area. So I decide to put him down in a different one across town. It's near my job, so it works out. Last year, when he was in the second grade, he met a boy named Charlie. They began hanging out a lot after school, with Owen going to his place. I met Charlie's parents, Nate and Paige, a couple of times before this began. They seemed very nice and supportive, and Owens always had a great time at their house. Charlie occasionally comes to our apartment, but usually they were at his place, which made sense. I do work a lot, and there's not much for them to do here, even when I'm off. Summer breaks are easy to find care, as there's several free or low-cost camps that I can put Owen in. It's the shorter breaks such as Christmas and spring that's harder. Space is limited, and spring break of 2022, I managed to miss registration. Paige is a stay-at-home mom, and she offered to take Owen for the week. I was hesitant to ask so much of her, but she insisted. She had a really fun time with them. They did a ton of activities, and Paige refused my attempts to pay her back. Now, I will admit that I did feel a tad uncomfortable with her spending this much on my son. But at the same time, I didn't want to deprive Owen of this stuff. So summer comes around, and while I did get Owen into a camp, he spent a lot of time with Charlie as well. He ended up going on vacation with them. 
I was again very hesitant, but the experience was something I could never give Owen. And it wasn't too far away. He had a blast. I kept telling Nate and Paige that there's no way I could ever pay them back, and they kept insisting that they loved having Owen around. They told me what a great kid he is, sweet and respectful. Now this is where it gets weird. At one point, I really pressed Paige as to why she was so insistent on having Owen around so much. That's when she told me that they never planned for Charlie to be an only child, but all attempts at giving him a sibling just didn't happen, and they're unable to have another child. They know that Owen will never make up for not having a brother, but if they can give him a consistent playmate so he's not lonely, they'll do it. Now, should this have been a red flag? Maybe. But at the same time, I found it sweet that the boys considered each other brothers. I thought it was innocent. Surely Paige and Nate knew the truth, right? So this continued for a bit, and come Christmas break of 2022, Paige and Nate insisted that I not even bother to get Owen into a camp, as they would take care of him for me. I was grateful. They ended up getting him like 10 times more Christmas gifts than I did. I tried to set my pride aside because it was about Owen, not me. And this is still when things finally started seeming off to me. I understood a single gift on his birthday. And while they didn't get him as many gifts as they got Charlie, it was a lot more than you typically get your kid's friend, if you're catching on. Fast forward to now. Spring break happened, and Paige and Nate didn't just offer to take care of him during the day while I worked. They asked if Owen could spend the entire week at their house. Honestly, it meant I could pick up some more shifts and save up for the bike that Owen wants for his birthday. So I said yes. I went to pick him up on Saturday afternoon. The kids were playing out back, so Nate and Paige asked to talk to me. They brought me into their living room, sat me down, and they said they loved Owen and he's such a joy to have. I thanked them profusely for all they'd done for him. And that's when Paige suggested that Owen stay a little bit longer. I then pointed out that Easter was Sunday, plus school starts on Monday. They then said that they could take him to school. I felt weird and said no, it was time for Owen to come home. And then they dropped the truth on me. That's when Nate suggested that Owen stay with them long term. Hearing him say that, my heart was racing. I stammered and Nate went on saying that I could still see Owen, but they would just take care of him full time. I thought they were joking, so I said, like, what, you'd be his guardians or something? It's at that point they got really quiet and the reality rushed over me. They both said yes. I then pointed out that this wasn't a movie and they can't just get custody. They then started spouting some legal stuff about how I could assign them as guardians and they would help make this transition smooth. And in my mind, all I'm thinking is, are they trying to kidnap my son from me through a legal process? Of course I said no, and they told me to think about what Owen wants and what's best for him. They told me they could give him a really good life, and I told them there was no way in hell that I was gonna give up my son. I was angry, so I marched out back, grabbed Owen, and we left. I've blocked their numbers, and Owen has no clue what's going on. I've kept him at home from school, and I took a few days off work to figure some stuff out. Legally, they can't take him. But now I know what they want, and I'm terrified. I'm terrified of letting Owen go to school and him not coming home because those parents will take him from me. I don't want him going back to that school. And I feel so stupid because, looking back, all the warning signs were there. I know Owen's going to be devastated losing Charlie, Paige, and Nate, and how am I going to explain it to him? Well, if that isn't the craziest post I've read in a while, guys, like where the heck do they get off thinking that they can randomly adopt someone's child and even thinking that Opie would say yes? All because they think they know what's best for Opie's child because they have money and they're rich. 
Like yeah, Opie mentioned many times that she can't afford to give Owen the lifestyle that Charlie has, but she does her best to give him a safe home, transfer him to a good school to make sure his needs are being met, and does her best, and to me, that's a damn good caring mother. Guys, it is actually disturbing that the couple thought they were entitled to Owen, all because they can buy him things, take him on vacation, and supposedly give him a better life than OP ever can. Guys, I'm telling you right now, money makes crazy people extra crazy. Guys, let me know what you think. If you were in OP shoes, what are you doing? All I can say is I'd definitely be contacting police. Like, if that crazy couple is looking to find a brother for Charlie, they might not stop until they get one. So I'm a high schooler with a weekend job at a coffee shop. My coworkers who work weekends are James. He's the owner's son. He goes to my school and he's a shift manager, but not a real formal thing. He's a friendly guy. The other person I work with is Danielle. She's a college student who sometimes works weekends too. So sometimes entitled customers will come in and they'll be angry about such little stuff. Like, they'll literally blow up about nothing. Like, how sad does your life have to be to be a grown-ass man taking your anger out on high school and college kids? So James and I were joking about having a little fun with them and hopefully getting them off our backs. So one day I was at work and some guy was having a temper tantrum saying how we don't make the coffee hot enough. Which I couldn't do a thing about because I gave it to him right out of the machine. The guy was screaming at me to get the manager, so James comes in and he's like, Sir, is there a problem here? And the guy starts ranting at him too. So James says, OP, this is unacceptable. You are fired. I then start acting really sad saying, No, please, please don't fire me. My family needs the money. I need this job. Please. And then he played being a hard ass, telling me to take off my apron and leave. At that moment, the angry guy starts to backtrack, and he says, Oh, uh, it's not that big of a problem. You don't need to fire her over it. I didn't mean it, really. The coffee is hot enough. And James was like, No, we pride ourselves on the best customer service. He then looks at me and says, That's strike three. Take your apron off and go home. The guy starts apologizing to me profusely and left. Of course, after all that drama, I still had my job. We were just acting. And we've done it a couple of times. Whenever a customer loses their temper at Danielle or I, saying they want us fired or reprimanded, James will storm in and fire us. And almost every time, the person who came in angry will apologize and said they don't mean it, and to unfire us. It's actually kind of satisfying, to make people realize that their actions might actually have consequences. Anyways, I was telling my friends from school about this, and a few of them thought it was a mean prank. To let someone go thinking that they had gotten someone who desperately needs the money fired. So am I the a-hole for this joke? Yeah, so I just had to share this post because everybody voted that OP's not the a-hole and that in fact he's a genius because you should always teach people that they need to control their temper because there's consequences. And guys, it's so funny how people casually throw out, I want you fired, but then backtrack when it actually happens though. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash entitled people. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's stories. I hope you didn't shake your heads too hard. And if you missed the last episode on the channel, it's an r slash malicious compliance, where I'll link right here. OP's Karen neighbor gets so mad that he puts up security cameras and starts a war against him. And OP, of course, ends up winning. Guys, go check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.